Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Very warm welcome to you to Calvary Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. Our entire vision for uh, the mission of this church really comes from this epistle, specifically uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, our reading today. The whole concept of us preaching Christ and him crucified comes right out of this. The music we choose comes right out of this. Our inspiration for Christian education every week comes right from this passage. Our devotion groups, story makers, which is our Sunday school curriculum, um, our tagline, enjoy your forgiveness, comes right from this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words of wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians... Uh, this epistle was a response, actually, to an earlier letter that, um, that the Corinthians had written to St. Paul. And in the city of Corinth, uh, like today, uh, the church was um, kind of enamored with all sorts of the topics du jour, if you will. And Corinth was packed with preachers. They actually had names. They were called super apostles, some of them. And they had killer haircuts and fly sneakers and were all over Instagram of the day. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but doubt it. But anyway, they probably had really amazing togas and uh, great sandals. But they, a lot of them, what they did was is that they spruced up their message because in Corinth at the time, there was this thing called the Oracle of Delphi, which, uh, which gave out wisdom. And so these guys would go and consult the Oracle of Delphi. And the super apostles, what they had done was is they had basically taken Christianity and made it sort of a worldly self-help type of religion. It was Jesus and love. Jesus and raising healthy kids. Jesus and the wisdom of this or that. Jesus and you fill in the blanks. And these preachers, if you read the history and read about them, they were not impressed at all with St. Paul. You know, they were like, really, Paul, the cross? Isn't that what you talked about last week? Paul, the gospel again, you know, it, it's a little lame if you ask me. I think, Paul, we really need to work on your communication techniques and utilize, you know, who you're ta- so that you can utilize and speak to your target demographics and you can tailor your message to these folks. This was what was going on in Corinth. And this is my first point. The church in Corinth, as Jesus taught us in our gospel, was losing her saltiness. This is the theme of Paul's epistle to the Corinthians. And any church can lose her saltiness when she loses what St. Paul calls the wisdom of God, that laser focus on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, don't misunderstand me. Paul was a brilliant mind. When you read his corpus, you can tell He was a man very comfortable. Like, read the book of Acts. You can tell he was a man who was very comfortable in both the Jewish and pagan world, and he could keep up with the best of them. 
He had amazing philosophy, understood their philosophers, airtight logic. Nevertheless, as he says in our reading today, his speech was not impressive because, for the most part, he was what we would call a one-trick pony. He preached Christ and hymns crucified. As he goes on to say, a scandal to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Now, as Christians, we should familiarize ourselves with the way the world thinks about wisdom when it comes to their gods. Don't be fooled. Even as we move into an agnostic society, the world still has its gods. We need to be aware of how the world thinks because the problem is is that the church is saturated in this way of thinking as well. It's called the law. The way the world thinks is boiled down quite simply to this. You must leave your mark on the world. You must make a difference. In religious circles, you must do your best, and then God will do the rest. What the world is saying is essentially justify yourself. Justify yourself before your peers. Justify yourself before your family. Justify yourself before your higher power. You hear a lot of people, justification, that message, nobody really needs that anymore, Jake. Nonsense. Nonsense. I mean, just think about it. This form of wisdom comes to us in varying degrees of sophistication. From the lowbrow, like your social media accounts. And all the times you're kind of depressed that you only had 15 likes on that picture. Or all the time you're kind of bummed that no one retweeted that brilliant thought you thought was amazing. This is really going to do it. And then, uh, you know, and I mean, seriously. You think justification's a fiction and passe? Think about that and all your friends who are depressed because of social media. But it also comes to us in highbrow and through the the towers of academia and the, the titans of industry where businessman after businessman and well thought of poet and author tells crowds of young people every May, if you're going to live, leave a legacy. Make a mark on the world that can't be erased. No pressure. (laughs) No group has a corner on this type of wisdom. And it can even be helpful sometimes when it comes to our neighbor. However, here's the problem. When our identities, when our egos... When our justification, when our gods get wrapped up into this wisdom, it's exhausting. It can be discouraging. Except to a handful of real go-getters, who eventually, for the most part, are forgotten by the annals of history anyway. This is my second point. The wisdom of the world, what Paul is talking about here in Corinthians, is not unique nor can anyone past, present, or future lay sole claim to it. Because it is always putting the power of control, it is always putting the power of your destiny right into your hands. 
And the reason St. Paul rejected that wisdom and he preached the wisdom of the cross is because he knew, especially as being a former Pharisee, that any other wisdom, including Jesus plus something, I'll hear this all the time, yeah, 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 Jake, the gospel, but, you know, no. Even Jesus plus something ultimately lulls us into a false notion of self-sufficiency, which end is in death. The death and resurrection of Jesus is all-sufficient for the justification of sinners, period. That is the wisdom of God. And it is not just the main thing, it is the only thing the church has been given authority to proclaim. And that is because we live in this world where it is do, 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 and this should be a place where you come and enjoy your forgiveness. This should be the place where the noise stops and you can finally begin to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd clearly. And why St. Paul, another reason, was so against this wisdom, and he learned this probably as a Pharisee as well, is that he knew that as humans, we all have limits. I mean, he was literally knocked off his high horse. I have limits, and you have limits. So hence the wisdom of the world will tell you to go, 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 until you reach that limit. And then it'll say, well, there's an end to love. There's an end to love. You can cross a line when it comes to forgiveness. There are some people out there that don't deserve mercy. I mean, look at the toxic rhetoric in our country. How we spew it out back and forth at each other. That's the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of the world, the sad thing is, is that she is claiming her prophets in both sides of the church. St. Paul, though, he describes the wisdom, the foolishness of God this way. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And when it comes to the depths of God, what the Spirit reveals to us is that in the crucified Christ, love, forgiveness, and mercy, my sisters and brothers, in God... In his gospel, those things are infinite. Yet because we have limits, and this is what Jesus is getting at in his teaching, because we have limits, the wisdom of the world, as Jesus teaches, always tries to knock off a letter of the law, always tries to shave it down just a little bit so it can become palpable to us. Because of our limitations, you see, the wisdom of the world, it wants to shave down the law in order to make the law manageable because the reality is is that most of our lives are completely unmanageable. So we hear things like, oh, you're not that bad. 
You know, don't worry about it. Just get over it. But over time, if you're like me, conscience just nags at you. You begin to realize that there's ultimately no peace that way. The law can't be tamed. And if I think I'm taming it, I either go into despair or I become arrogant. And as my therapist says, your ego is not your amigo, Jake. There is no way under the law and its accusations. There's no way, nothing we can do to shut the law up with its ever-growing demands. The law is not your ladder to climb up and reach God. That's the wisdom of the world. Humanity reaching God. The gospel flips it all on its head and says, God reaches down and becomes humanity. So the only thing that can shut the law up and its demands is not the wisdom of the world. The only thing that can shut the law up is the wisdom of God. Jesus, the one who did not abolish the law, but by his shed blood upon the cross, accomplishes the law for us. You see, the law, when it has done its work, will drop you dead. That's its job. It should drop you dead right at the feet of Jesus. Now, the wisdom of the world will say, gosh, Jake, that's so negative. What about the human spirit? But the wisdom of God says, you've been dropped dead? Good news. Our God is the one who raises the dead. And he not only raises you better, but he raises you to be brand new. Now, I'm going to conclude with something very controversial. I am going to suggest that we buck the wisdom of the world, which sees the law as a ladder to God. And instead, we as a congregation let the law do what it is intended to do. Let it judge every one of your acts. Let it judge every one of your words. Let it judge every thought, every desire. Don't ease it. And take the law to Jesus' level and equate your thoughts, actually, with your actions. Then you'll begin to see... Then you'll begin to understand. Gosh, what dire straits we're all in. However, it's there that you begin to understand what Jesus is actually all about. He's not your life coach, he's your savior. The law cannot fix us. You actually need Jesus. We need Jesus. And we need him taught as a righteousness that we need him. Because Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. You see, this is my third point. There are all sorts of variations of the wisdom of the world. There is only one Christ. You have only one Savior. And as St. Paul says, Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, becomes the end of the law for all who believe. He is the wisdom of God. And the gospel says, because of his death and his resurrection, 
you not only have a righteousness now that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you right now have a righteousness that does not abolish the law, but it fulfills it completely. And as St. Paul says, this fulfillment, this wisdom, it ultimately leads to freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to love your neighbor. Freedom to forgive those who've hurt you. Freedom to show mercy to those who need mercy, even your enemies and those you disagree with. Freedom to love your spouse. Freedom to forgive your children. Freedom, not because you have to. That's the wisdom of the world. But freedom because you can. That's the wisdom of God. You've been forgiven, and you can love your neighbor now. And this, boy, let me tell you, this makes you really salty. And let me tell you, I'm looking out over this congregation, and this, there is a bright light right here. But freedom because you can. And guess what? Folks will see your good works. Folks will see your good works, and they'll glorify not you, but your Father in heaven. Because like salt, you accentuate the main dish. No one goes to a nice restaurant for the salt. They go because it accentuates the main dish. The moon has no light on its own. It reflects that of the sun. And the same is true with you. You're salty because Jesus has made you salty. You're light because Christ has made you the light of the world. Now go forth and freely love your neighbor and watch them glorify your Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.